Will Stubbley and Saxon Phipps share an interest in common with me. They love cooking. We discovered last time that Saxon, probably a little bit like me, throws it all together. Will, on the other hand, he likes to follow a recipe. We really, really enjoyed the opportunity to dig deep last time, Game Changers, when we looked at the context of going on the adventure with Will and Saxon, and we looked at the dangers and the risks, and we looked at the challenges, and we started to pull together the recipe, as it were. We're gonna spend some more time looking at that recipe as we talk to them about building the experience of the Year 13 program. I can't wait, I'm excited. Let's go. Before you start your conversation with today's Game Changers special series guest, Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our special series sponsor? Thanks, Adriana. Of course I can. Man Cave Academy provides unique training programs that are designed to share the Man Cave's experience from working with over 20,000 teenage boys across Australia. Learn more at themancave.life. That's themancave.life. Let's go. G'day, boys. How are we today? We good? Thanks, Phil. A bit colder than it was last yeah. week. But, uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, 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 look, I'm surprisingly, I'm just as well as I was last time I talked to you. Of course, our game changer will know that we, you, you, all our listeners are. You know that we record this in uh, in one sitting, but we like to we like to split the conversation up over three weeks so that we've got some things to think about and go on a bit of a story together. Gentlemen, last time we spoke, we talked about the setup for Year 13. Let's jump straight into its genesis and then how it grew from there. So. Walk me through the idea. Walk me through the moment where one of you turned to the other and said, hey, what if? Yeah, so I guess running off of what we mentioned last week, it was literally just looking at all our friends and what they were going through. Now, my transition was is, is remarkably different to Stubbs's. And it was, you know, upon returning from you know, doing some backpacking and working in different industries that it was just what like it, it just stuck with us like why do you have to know what you're going to do why can't you pivot why if it's not the right decision why is there such a stigma attached to dropping out of university or or not completing an apprenticeship um and that was the precedence around what year 13 really was and so um you know we we, we bought a domain for i think it was like 14 bucks and we thought, right, that's 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 the starting point. We've, we've got that. No one can take that domain now. And how do you start a business? Like, well, how does how does this thing work? You know, I, I was twenty one. Will was nineteen, and um, you know, we both kind of linked up. It was, I think it was one random night uh, at, at a pub, and we were kind of talking about it. And I think I mentioned it, like. Um, I'm thinking about doing something like this. And then Subs is like, well, he was thinking about doing something like this. And then, yeah, it just started from there. And, and so we, we, we built the business and, and we saved money. We borrowed money. We took loans. Um, you know, we did everything humanly possible to really throw ourselves into this thing and, and, and show the commitment. And, you know, the, with what we, I think it was about 20 grand each, you know, 20 years, uh, sorry, about 10 years ago, it was, it was a lot of money, but, you know, it was a lot of money then and it was a lot of money for us to, to not lose. And so I guess that really kept us determined on, on, on year 13. And what we did is we just, we, we built a, um, a custom kind of website and we just started creating really, really topical content. Um, what we mean was just, we were just reading 
you know, newspapers and, and looking at data around different industries and then, you know, dropout rates and completion rates and just started creating content around that. We were doing things like, you know, are trades greater than a degree and just comparing a apprentice graduate and a university graduate and, you know, the differences between wages, time spent working, qualification, opportunity, growth of industries, and just kind of contextualized it and made it really relative to our audience. We started writing things about like, you know, why it's okay to have no idea what you want to do. Um, you know, the value of a gap year, pathways into university. Um, and what happened really, really quickly, we were fortunate. It was before, this is back when Facebook was still really on its rise to supremacy. And we were just posting this stuff out and we were getting, you know, 200, 300, 400, 5,000 people reading, reading this content. But the way our users engage with this really trips Stubbs and I up on a truth of, of what we could potentially do. And we just, people would write in saying, hey, I read your article about dropping out of uni. Or I read your article about gap years or getting a trade or, or pathways into uni. Do you guys actually help do that? Do you help people get into it? And I guess that was a bit of a light bulb moment for us to say, well, there's no real service around offering this type, this type of opportunity and having that support where you can kind of speak to someone roughly, you know, a, a few years older than you who has a little bit more experience. You know, we, neither of us are qualified career practitioners and we, we never pretend to be, but it was just having that older brother or older sister that you can just have that honest conversation with. And so that really um, set the trajectory of the business off. Um, that engagement level of engagement kind of helped us redefine the business to start offering services in employment and training and education, gap years, traveling. Um, and we started to understand data as well and data of our audience. And, you know, that was 10 years ago now that we, we were able to build that momentum. And I guess we, you know, we, we were fortunate right place at the right time. Um, a, the kind of bleeding edge of what social media really was. So it helped us build an audience and a brand and, um, it, it kind of led us on, on, onto the path of today. You've told this story before, so there's a lot in there. I want to, I want to, if I can, and that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous place to begin. I think the discussion about what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it. Let me, if I can, just tease apart two or three of these things. I'm interested in that insight that you had that content creation and delivery through a digital platform was something that was worth doing and worthwhile doing. Tell me about that insight. Where did that come from and why did that feel like the right thing to do? Yeah, well, I guess we were in it. <laughs> like I was, not, I was at my first, I was just after school, like just left school. Sachs was obviously, uh, yeah, not, not far in front. And so it seemed pretty obvious, <laughs> um, you know, there was, because the, the, the biggest issue that, that I saw, and this is what Sachs and I would talk about probably most, is just how much you didn't know when you're at school like I didn't even know about a gap year like I didn't even think about it I didn't yeah it, it was just like yeah I knew that you could sort of take a year off and go you know go to the UK and pour pints but that's about it <laughs> and um and so like Sachs sort of mentioned a lot of stuff where you know we went yeah we were like we did do some analytical stuff but there was also a lot of softer stuff where you know we were with a bunch of mates at the pub on a Friday being like what's everyone doing and we'd write about it and because um, again, our brand promise uh, from the get-go and still is, is being that cool older brother, older sister that has gone and traveled the world and gone to uni, done a trade, 
you know, fucked up a bunch of times and can relay that back on to the younger siblings to make sure that they don't do that. And so we just sort of followed our nose with what at what we were doing or our mates were doing and relayed that to a younger audience. And it just landed, I guess, and people, you know, wanted to um, know more. And I guess the bit that Sachs mentioned that we didn't anticipate was that, you know, information's one thing, um, but the full picture is actually actioning it. And that's where we saw a bigger gap in the market where it's not just the information that's available, but actually helping facilitate people follow that interest. That wasn't in the original plan. So then what I'm hearing is that there's just an intuitive sense that this is this is our world. So this is the place that we need to be and this is the way to do it. And an understanding that there's a need for the trusted source of information. Yeah, because like the original, like it wasn't about making money. It was the, it was the fact that we knew that you know, our friends were struggling. Because was it, you know, I mentioned my friend that um, took her own life, but we had a bunch of other friends that were struggling really severely and a, a couple others actually um, not at the same time, but also uh, end up taking their own life. So it, it was never about making money. It was never about a gap in the market. It wasn't about anything like that. It was just going here. It, like that's what I mean. It was obvious to us where it's just going like here is a need that we know is needed. Um, so let's do that. So there's, and, a clear, so there's a clear identification of social purpose there. Yeah, it's actually become much more of a thing and something I really believe in is, is you can actually build a business that drives profit and purpose because then you're a sustainable business. Um, that didn't come till a few years later, but um, it's something I feel really, really strongly about because then you're not hinged on um, any other, like if you've got an actual sustainable business that's driving growth and driving profit that you can reinvest back into the R&Ds part of the business, it is. it means that People can't, you know, you're not hinged on government policy or changes in government or different funding, like, you know, um, structures and things like that. So I think the fact that we at the foundations was never about being necessarily a business per se, it was about solving a problem. And then as we grew in our understanding of how to run a business and got, you know, good people around us and all that sort of stuff, we could actually shape the business side of the company properly. So there was a lot of fortunate aspects of us being quite young is, and sort of coming into it, it's going, cool, let's just solve a problem. And then as that grew, we then solved the business side. I think if we went, what's the business? And then the problem, it would have been really difficult. Yeah, I'd look, I'd, I'd really, really get where you're coming from. And if I, if I look at our own story, and it's our story begins back in 2009, where I'm sitting here trying to work out what I'm going to do with my life, because <laughs> what, what it was I thought I wanted to do, I didn't want to do it. And I was 39 and very, very lost at that point in time and then started thinking about the challenges that we face in education which are around doing things that made sense and yet they seem intractable along the way and then there, there might be people who could help advise people around what might be done but you needed to build a knowledge base up around what would actually work because lots of people were trying stuff and stuff wasn't working and this and that and the other and, and that's promoting a lot of cynicism right throughout the education world. So how do you build that up and, and, and then build a knowledge base? And then finally, how do you communicate that to people? And that's where this whole Game Changers concept sort of arose from and, and what we've built now with the School for Tomorrow. For us, it's the network and the provision of advice and the public education that goes out through that, which is way more important. I mean, I think you're absolutely right in terms of sustainability as a business. I mean, if you can't keep yourself sustainable as a business, you're no good to anybody. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, looking after yourself as a leader. You know, if you don't look after yourself as a leader, you can't lead other people effectively because you can't be your best self. But you kind of learn that stuff along the way, don't you? It's, it's not as though you start out and go, give me the shekels. 
It's about where you want to get to in terms of what drives you. And I think the reasons for that are deeply personal and that they sort of flow over into things that you do. Gentlemen, you've reached that point where you've gone from content delivery and it's digital and so on. And then you've started to realize that there's a need to take action. How does that manifest itself to start with, with year 13? Yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to jump in. Uh, so as Sachs mentioned, um, it was like, well, our whole business has been, been driven by um, how our users actually interact with us. So literally the, the, we would write an article about getting an apprenticeship and people would write into us and say, hey, read the article, can you actually help me do that? And that was happening often enough and wide enough that we went, well, yeah, there's something there. And so apprenticeships, yeah, we've talked about it quite a lot because we've both got a little bit of background in, in wanting to pursue it, slash seeing our friends that do pursue it, having a lot of fulfillment and, and success in it. So, yeah, and like something probably worth mentioning is even though we're mentioning like apprenticeships a lot, we, we are very agnostic. Like for me, I went to uni. Yeah, I think uni is the right destination for the right person, but it's not the right destination for everyone. So we actually do take quite a conscious stance of promoting vocational education and training and apprenticeship because it is a little bit underrepresented. Um, but sometimes people think that we're just that. And it's like, no, we do you know, advocate for, for unis as well. We work with most of the unis around the country. No, I, I, very, a, very, I very much get that. I mean, you guys yeah. are so... You, you guys are so human-centred and so and so learner-centred around it. I, I love the fact that you're agnostic around the, the solution for it because at the end of the day, who cares, really? Exactly. Who cares it's about, whether it's uni, yeah. whether it's safe, whether it's yeah. this, whether it's that, whether it's the other. Yeah. Everyone's on their journey. Everyone's on their pathway. And what we need to be doing is supporting them on their pathway with the stuff that will make sense for them in that place at that time. The right pathway for the right individual. So yeah, it was just worth putting a caveat that just in case people thought we're just like, um, yeah, we'll just completely focus on apprenticeships. But it is the truth that it did sort of start from that is because that's the first industry that we went into from an action-based orientation from the platform. So off the back of having a content management system and yeah, having a large content base where we were distributing it through largely Facebook, but a few other channels as well. The first market we went into was actually the apprenticeship market, which was group like the group training space. So I'm not sure if you know much about group training organisations, but they basically uh, recruit and manage apprentices for host companies. So, you know, a big Origin Energy, for example, or, you know, might have hundreds of apprentices, they'll contract in a group training organisation that will help them both recruit and manage those apprentices because there's a whole bunch of paperwork and, you know, just the trials and tribulations of having apprentices. So anyway, we went, first market we went into what was called Group Training Australia. Uh, they're now uh, called National Apprenticeship Employment Network. And uh, we, I've still got the photo, like Zach and I went to the Group Training Australia conference down in the Hobart. It was like our first yeah, interstate now, trip. How, like, how long have you been in business for at this stage? How long, how long have you started? Jack, that's two years. I don't know, two years. Three years. Yeah, yeah. awesome. awesome. Yeah. Right. So I, I look at the, there's a photo of us. We don't wear suits very often, and, and um, there's a photo of us. In, no, in but you've both slide. got great. You've both got yeah. great hair, so that's what's really. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's some photo. There's a photo of us both in some slightly oversized suits, looking very young. And um, and anyway, we went down there and partnered with a bunch of group, yeah group training organisations where we could host their jobs on our platform. So we could sort of close the loop to an extent. We've gone much further now, but you know we could advocate 
cool, here's an apprenticeship in carpentry, for example, here's a job that if you're interested in that, you can go and apply for it. And the good thing about the group training network was that they're a very trusted organization because our, our business has always been built on trust, like trust from the from, from our users, but also trust from, as we've grown, schools, government, our partners, all that sort of stuff. And the good thing about the group training network is, you know, it was safe for us because we knew that they were, you know, they're, they're publicly funded in, in some cases and, and you know, they've got really solid networks into into schools and the entire ecosystem so we partnered with them and that was a way for us to go well not only can we do content but we can actually get young people to action that into jobs so we started with content delivery we've started with a digital platform this intense engagement with a community and you're being very responsive to what the community wants there's an opportunity then to go into it almost like a, a uh, an opportunity exchange, so the opportunity to to identify and promote uh, opportunities uh, for people in training and apprenticeship. When did you start getting into the idea of going and running your own programs? Yeah, oh, the only thing I was going to add there, which is just probably like that was a bit of an inflection point, is that was like the conscious point where we made the decision to be more of a technology-based business because rather than being a content-based business, which is still a large part of what we do, we had a much more deeper requirement to be able to understand the user better and you know deal with all of the data that we're capturing and and facilitating the transaction from a to b required us to be more of a technology-based business which was a whole different problem to solve so yeah that's probably about two years in that's where we actually made a bit of a pivot into being a little bit more of what we are today sure thing but- I think running off what Stubbs is saying there is that we are consistently, and it's a common theme that you'll no doubt hear throughout the podcast, problem solving. Like in the first instance, we saw that what we were wanting to be able to do was a massive problem and it's it's an ambitious problem to solve. But once we were able to kind of test our hypothesis, we were to be able to get some, some traction. And then from that, it led to us then building out an audience, understanding that audience, and then being able to then create opportunities around that, you know, it, it, we're a full, full purpose business. Um, and by delivering that, it just, it, it created more opportunities for us. And then by the stage that we were building that critical mass, we then started to pivot more into the technology space, which has really been a whole nother kettle of fish. And it, we're seeing that the rise of technology and the influence in, in which technology is having across a plethora of industries and it's it's something that we are now obviously very focused on and it's also what we use and feel to caveat caveat this into your question around some of the programs we run the programs that we run are really built off the hypothesis of of the technology that we build so as i mentioned we we have we run a program called the truth project um truth project now is been widely used and successful across four different states. It's in New South Wales, ACT, uh, Queensland, and also uh, South Australia in in partnerships with those aforementioned state governments. And where it really came from is that there was a new, a a real emphasis that was being put towards student transitions really over the past five years. There was the the government had produced um, four different policy uh, changes around uh, the school to work transition, uh, student wellbeing, um, the national careers education strategy and the school to work framework. And our data that we were receiving at year 13, we have a number of uh, proprietary research pieces that we've published over the years was used for the foundation of some of those um, 
those programs and those policies. And so we had an opportunity to be able to partner with um, different state governments to develop out the truth project. And we didn't want this to be just another, you know, here are your options type program. The whole precedence of it was to really validate the individual. We, we work off in an engagement method that we've kind of tested and tried and proven over the past five years, I'm sorry, 10 years um, around motivate, educate and resonate. And so if we can actually motivate an individual, it, it, it empowers them to be able to have an emotive response to, to your content um, and kind of be quite introspective. We then educate. So we want a young person to feel empowered through our what, what we deliver. So going back to one of those first content pieces, are trades greater than a degree? Um, just to be able to understand these changes and where opportunities are in industries and to resonate. And we wanted to resonate with, with the audience because 16, 17, 18 is an incredibly difficult period of your life. You know, there's no denying it. We all remember what that period was like. You're kind of going from being an adolescent to then being an, an adult, making all these independent decisions. You've got all these contributing influences, be that parents, be that social groups, be that communities, be that the influence of social media. And so we want to resonate with our with, with students about these transitions. You know, what we we're telling them is is really advice and advice is a form of nostalgia in which you're just trying to repurpose your own experiences. And so it's to really be able to say, you know, this expect this, but expect the unexpected and be able to always go back to your intrinsic values and, and your interests and passions. You know, I read an article the other day, funnily enough, about how follow your passion is one of the worst pieces of career advice you can you can receive. And I fundamentally disagree. And it's not that you know, if you're passionate about something that you need to go off and be the best in the world at it, but understand why you're passionate about it. Like I'm passionate and I like cooking for the reason that it's a creative process. It's critical thinking, it's problem solving. And that's why I like it. I, I don't have an ambition to be a, a chef or to, to, to run a, a, a restaurant. Well, Saxon, that's that relationship though between purpose and practice, isn't it? That if you understand what your purpose is in a particular context, then what will flow from that is the right practice in the right place. But if you don't understand your purpose to start with, then it's just the doing of things to do more of the doing of things until you wake up one day and work out that you're really lost in in, in what you're doing and how you're doing it. I'm really curious in the middle of all of that, um, there's a couple of points there. You were talking about emotional responses and a deliberate desire to engage with people's emotional responses, both uh, when you were talking about motivation and that you want to curate a moment around deliberate introspection and, and contemplation of emotion, but also nostalgia as well too. Because I mean, I, I like your notion of that nostalgia is the repurposing of one's experiences, but it's also the emotions attached to those experiences. Why do you think it's important to engage with emotion in this way? Now, it might sound really, really obvious to you, but you know, I come from a, I come from a generation. I, I mean, I was I was brought up to disregard emotion. You know, so to hear people saying, "Hang on, no, we need to we we need to take this seriously." Tell me about the insight and tell me about why it's so important. Humans are uh, innate storytellers. You look at all Indigenous cultures, um, you look at the Aboriginals, you know, the Australian Indigenous and, and the stories of the dream time. And the importance of storytelling is seen throughout the history of man. And it's such a powerful tool because you actually make it relative to yourself. 
you feel you, you put yourself in, in the shoes or, or the period of what the, the story actually is. And this is where, you know, contextualizing learning is such an important part of this problem that if you can actually empower someone to be able to have an emotive response, you know, it's known as the hero's journey and you help someone actually start to be able to paint a picture of themselves. This is where you actually have these breakthroughs and you know, we look at some of our data around, you know, the number one emotion which young people experience in the senior years of school is stress followed by anxiety, fear, frustration, and then a sense of hopelessness and depression. And so if a young person's stressed or anxious, it means that they're incapable of making clear and concise decisions and anxiety is a future state emotion. So you're trying to build pictures of yourself. So with year 13, what we saw is that like, well, if we created content that could actually really tell a story and to be able to not define by characters and, and mythical uh, creatures, but tell a story of an industry or an individual or the, an, a, a, a story of passion and actually relate that to an audience, then we're going to have that emotive response where you can see yourself in the character or you can see yourself in that situation and then we build on that and we build on that by then empowering them through you know using data and contextualizing that into the story so the changes within industry how many um, people how many opportunities are coming here the type of person this suits and then when you're on that path of the storyteller it people are starting to then build their character around it they're starting to say well i'm actually someone who play sport and the reason why I like playing sport is because I really do like teamwork and I like having my role in a team like that makes sense and I actually really am good at numbers and what does that mean and then you start to build that and they start to build that story and so that's always been our approach um, and it's something that we, we will always can continue to do the the power of storytelling is is too undeniable and by having that emotive response educating along the way and then resonating because once the story's over, we know what it's like when you finish your favorite movie, you sit back and you go, oh God, it's over. Like, what am I going to do now? But, and we want to support people through that. Like, what are you going to do now? Can we help them action that? Can we help them put, can we help put them on that trajectory? Whether they're going to do it through us, whether they're going to do it in their own sense, it, it doesn't matter. But that's where we see it as our moral obligation to be able to assist a lot of young people, um, not just young people, all people through through that trials and tribulations. There's that social purpose coming through again there. I love you talking about a moral imperative around what it is that you do. I wonder, I wonder therefore, whether emotions are possibly the bridge between that journey into the world and the journey into the self. I love the idea of telling a story and then using that to build your character. Quickly, as we close out this episode, tell me about the nature of what it is you do now. So you've moved, you set up a platform, there's content delivery, there's a pivot towards uh, a technology business that's integrated with service. There's programs that you run very quickly. Give me the 30 to 45 second version of, of what it is that you're doing today. Our core purpose of what we see in solving this problem is actually as much as possible, we do bring in other partners, of course, but vertically integrating the, the student journey from school to work. Our long-term mission and, and vision of where we head for Year 13 is helping people find meaningful work because meaningful work then stems into you know, all the mental health stuff that we're talking about, which we should actually talk about in terms of our process there. But 
meaningful work, you need to de deconstruct that. So you've got education, you've got school, you've got travel, you've got everything that actually gets you towards actually identifying meaningful work. And we've got a platform and programs and a network of both partners and different assets that, that we own. Um, that is all about bringing that student journey from firstly discovering who they are to subject selection to you know, actually transitioning out of school through to education, through to employment. To understand year 13, our goal is, is helping people find and understand what their version of meaningful work is. And the best and most efficient way of doing that is vertically integrating the student journey through to as close as possible to work. And the biggest problem that we see is there's so many different stakeholders and different platforms and all that sort of stuff that's involved in that. We've got a number of different programs and you know, our core Year 13 platform with different assets that sit underneath the Year 13 platform that means that we can optimise that, that student experience um, as much as possible. And uh, we've talked about hyper-personalisation. That's really about what we do is by having a multi-touchpoint approach to actually engaging and understanding our, our users, and which are young students, we can optimise that exploration and student experience to actually find what their version of meaningful work is. Thanks for that, Will. Gentlemen, I'm, if we can, I'm going to draw this, this, this conversation to a close now. Um, I really want uh, to explore the future for you guys and for education and where you see education going. So thank you very much for today. And I'm really looking forward to the next conversation. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, Phil. Game Changers is a podcast for those who want to change the game of school. Produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and powered by a school for tomorrow, Game Changers is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. Tell your friends and don't forget to subscribe. Let's go.